Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open. This weekly podcast, led by me, Anne Hambly, will cover inside information that is not typically disclosed in commercial real estate, including how the game is played from the lender servicer side. Um, today, I'm very happy and, and honored to have Stephanie Whittington here. Stephanie is head of our assumption team at First Service Solutions and we counted it up, but I think she's personally handled over 500 assumptions. Way little... too many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there'll be more to come, so, but yeah. a lot more than anyone that I'm aware of in the industry. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Thank you for having me. <laughs> you just completed a two-property hotel assumption that was part of a 1031 exchange, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, when were you in? When were we originally engaged on those deals? Roughly, yeah, we were contacted by buyer and seller in uh, the mid October range. So we had about seventy five ish days to get that done. What um, was their ten thirty one date? Yeah, the ten thirty one exchange date was um, December thirty first. So they had to close both both assumptions completely uh, by December. 31st. So in 75 days? 75 days. Okay. And I mean, I, so what, what was our turnaround time on average pre-COVID? Yeah. Pre-COVID, a deal that doesn't require rating agency consent, and I'll, admit, I'll go back to that in just a second, a deal that doesn't require rating agency consent takes about 90 days to get done. It's not set in stone, so there's no guarantees, but that's just the average time it would take. Uh, deals that do require rating agency consent would take about 120 days uh, just because rating agencies have about 30 days to do their review. These deals should have required rating agency consent. One of the places that we ended up getting lucky was that both deals had waivers of that rating agency consent. So that takes us down to the 90-day time frame, and we still even had to get them done in less time than that. And that's, that's pre-COVID. Pre, that would have, yeah, pre-COVID. And what require what when is a rating agency approval required in general? Typically, the triggers for having to go to rating agencies would be a deal that's over twenty million in size or top ten in the pool. There are some other triggers, but those usually don't come into play. Okay, and now I hate to call things post COVID because there's no such thing really. But now that we've gone through the major COVID wave, um, I know we've talked about a lot of this internally, but what is what are you seeing as far as the turnaround times yeah. now, sort of post-COVID in general? It's tough to really nail down an exact time frame because we're really still going through it. But I would say that you should count on about 110, 120 days to get these done on average, simply because credit che- checks take longer, um, the processes take longer, the reviews take longer, there's more in special servicing, there's more going on. And, and so that, pro- that process really has extended quite a bit. And that's with no rating agency. That's with no rating agencies. So then you add another 30 days on. And then you add another 30 days. So how the heck did you get these done so quickly in 75 days? I think what really plays into that is that no one wants to be responsible for causing a 1031 exchange date to be missed, right? There's a lot of liability there for everybody involved. So everybody comes together. They all do their best to get things done. They all work as a team. Everybody's on the same team at this point, right? You're just trying to get a deal done and it takes everybody working in the same direction. And that's what happened on these deals is everybody working on the same team and getting them done. So your primary role there is pretty much to get everybody row. In fact, weren't you on the row team? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I rode crew for a little while at Baylor. but so yeah, you getting put that everybody rowing in the same <laughs> yeah. direction. That's exactly right. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. Good. Well, and sometimes that's really hard when you've got, as Absolutely. we all, you know, we yeah, all know, you've got buyer, yeah. seller, buyer's counsel, buyer's mm-hmm. broker, seller's counsel, seller's broker, Lenders, master's, yeah. special, blah, blah. Okay. Oh my gosh. So many parties and everybody has slightly different interests. You know, they all do want to get the deal done, but they all have different, you know, priorities in the deal. And so... Yeah, it takes a lot to get everybody moving in the right direction. And I remember you during those days, so I remember that it was very <laughs> yeah, it was very yeah. hard. Now, and these deals, because they're hotel mm-hmm. properties, so they had COVID relief back during COVID, right? They did. They each had different forms of COVID relief, uh, but they both did have COVID. They both did have COVID relief. One of them. Um, had some short-term um, relief, so it got to stay with Master Servicer, and the other one, um, um, fortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, had to be transferred to Special Servicer to get a full workout. I actually have a number of people that ask me a lot, and they probably ask you too, can a, when you have a loan that's in Special Servicer, mm-hmm. servicing, I should say, can it be assumed? Yes, it can, absolutely. Uh, there are some provisions or caveats that go with that. Um, Most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, when you're in special servicing, uh, whatever terms were being worked out with that borrower at the time uh, wouldn't be passed on to the new borrower stepping in. Um, Loans need to be brought current at the time of an assumption. Everything needs to be in good standing at that closing. So post-closing, when a borrower or new borrower steps in, You've got to be on good terms, and you have to basically be back on your way to master servicing and on on good track. So it adds some added complications to, to get it done, but it can be Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so was there anything else unique about this? I, th- I think there were, but what were some of the unique features of this deal, yeah, too? This, this deal did have, you know, strong, strong bu- buyer, strong seller on both sides. Um, there were not any conditions of consent. Which is what amazing for, no conditions. for deals. Yes, I mean, almost all deals have conditions that you've got to work through and negotiate just to make sure that they're good for both sides or all, all parties really involved. Uh, this deal did not have any conditions, but it did have some, some complexity because the borrower, the, the previous owner, the seller, had warm body guarantors in place uh, from origination, and they were very, very strong financially let's stop for a second because not ever so well i know we use the term loosely and not real but what's a warm body warm body they had people individuals as they're like literally a warm not a cold body literally warm body body. okay yes the alternative is to have an entity uh, on the hook for these guarantees and while we're we're all talking non-recourse carve-out guarantees, they are still important. They are still in place, and and servicers or lenders still put, you know, a lot of importance on those guarantees. And so when we go through the assumption process, the goal is to get equal to or better than what is in place with the seller or current borrower. And in this case, what was being proposed was very financially strong on the buyer's side. However, it was an entity and not a warm body or individuals like the seller had. And so while financial strength was there, um, lenders see moving from warm bodies or individuals towards entities as a step down in credit 
or strength. And so we, we really had to focus on being able to move forward. I, I think at one point we were even told a week into the process that this was a non-starter. They would not move forward. Basically, don't even send us processing fees or application fees. There's no use in spending time on this. We can't approve it. And fortunately, we were able to work through it and not just get the approvals, but also not have conditions placed on the buyers to level that playing field like usually. Well, that's actually one of the biggest advantages sometimes to, not sometimes, but almost mm -hmm. always to engaging a firm like ours yes. is, and engaging you who's mm -hmm. done five, you've done that many more than me at this point in my career, is you know, a lot of times we are told no, mm -hmm. or you are told, uh, given a condition that's horrendous, and yeah. unless you know how to maneuver, what the alternatives are, what mm -hmm. you've seen done in other situations, you wouldn't know how to proceed when you're told no, right? Right, so. right. No, no isn't always a firm or set in stone no. You have to hear the reasoning, you have to hear the tone behind it, and then you have to um, propose alternatives and, and work through it. It's just a lot of... There are times when the no is no. When no is no, and, and obviously all of us will be completely clear about it, and everybody on board will be very, very clear about it. No one wants to waste anybody's time. But when there are alternatives and other things to propose, we know what to propose and can certainly help everybody through that process. Yeah. This one was an amazing one, and I know you do this on uh, you know assumptions all the time. Um, anyway, appreciate, I wanted to feature these because it was such a unique set of circumstances, a very good end result, a deal that would never have closed otherwise without your involvement and um, in record time. So yeah, great timing on these. Yeah. Happy buyer, happy seller, happy servicer yes. makes everybody happy. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephanie. We'll, we'll feature another assumption uh, soon one day, but I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Wonderful. Thank you very much.